Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Peaky Pod on Story Archives. I'm one half of the host. What am I? Am I half the host? Yeah, I'm half the host yeah. of, uh, of this show. And uh, I'm the other half of the host of the show. But To find out our names, the mystery of it. Watch the last episode. Listen to some episode. early episodes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Watch the pilot. Yeah. We're picking up today on... Um, what I call season six, but what's season five? I'm just kidding. Season yeah. five of Peaky Blinders, episode two. We actually just started this going uh, last week. We're on this, and we're trying to roll this into the final season of Peaky. Mm-hmm. Which, do we know if that's coming out in March, or do you, do we think it's going to be think, a little earlier? I thought February, but I think it'll be March now. Yeah. Because they're doing like these little games and stuff on Instagram. Yeah, so I, I feel think like they're going to want to milk that a little bit to, to, get, to build up some uh, excitement for it. And I, I don't think a, two or three weeks is enough. They're probably going to do it for about a month or so. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. They'll probably have a little more, bit of a marketing push. Not that they need it. They already got the fans baked in, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's it's fun. You're just building up the hype at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, I mean, we're speaking like with some sort of like, you know, prescience of having seen the whole season so far. Mm-hmm. But uh, episode two of season five is, let me look at the list here. I think it's my favorite. It, I was going to say, it's one of my favorites. I, I, I think it's you know, it's tough because the first one was really great too. I, I, think, I think this episode is my favorite of the season. Episode one is my second favorite of the season. And I think the last episode is my third favorite. Mr. Jones? Yeah. Yeah. I, this episode particularly has a lot of memorable moments. Mm-hmm quotable moments yeah but just visually memorable moments in the story i'd say Mm -hmm. right a a lot of the uh lines that we heard from the last episode kind of kind of come full circle in a way like the whole you know what do i have to do to make people listen to me it it kind of comes comes into this one a bit and the person that needed to hear that finally hears it anyways that's, we'll get into it right yeah, now. Exactly. Sorry, I had a couple of messages there that I had to you know, respond to. All good. It's late I've at been, night here yeah. in 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 uh in South Florida. Florida. Yeah. So uh, we are we're we're actually recording this at ten twenty. Yeah, this is like uh, an hour and twenty minutes later than we normally do. Yeah. So just a little th- couple of things piling in. My day, like yours, kind of like piled up on me. Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of just uh, not that I, I should have, but for me, it just. You know, when you just look at the clock at six o'clock, you're like, oh shit, I haven't cooked dinner. I haven't done anything. And then you like have no food in the fridge. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I totally get it. I, I don't mind it too much, but yeah, my, my day started out where I was like, oh, I've got some open blocks. Let me get ahead of stuff. And then I've, I've literally, I've been on calls since I started put- till about 830. Yeah, the problem was that was I had going? committed, I had committed already. I took out a pack of meat and was defrosting it. Oh yeah, you, and you I, went all there in. Was, there was no going back. Also, <laughs> my fridge is kind of shaky. I'm a little concerned with my fridge after What's after wrong December. with the fridge? <laughs> no idea. I just, I'm so concerned after December. I got like the worst food poisoning I've had like in the last 20 years of my mm. life. So TMI. Yeah, it's definitely but, the uh, uh, shaky fridge though. No, I don't know. It might've been the Costco, the Costco groceries. I don't have Oof. no idea. 
Who who knows? Who know, knows what it was? The rest of my family thrives on the uh, the Costco. On Costco? Grocery, I don't know. Reason. I have no idea. It might be a slander. I mean, literally, when you bash Costco, you're ba- you're just literally bashing the American dream. Like there's there's <laughs> nothing gas. more. I say <laughs> this in a good way. You're just gaslighting yeah. Costco. You know, it's just <laughs> when you but you when you walk into a Costco, there's nothing more that feels more American than walking into a Costco and just seeing those shelves stocked, stocked, mm-hmm. Mr. President. Get it going. All right, let's go. Yeah. Let's not get political. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the episode. It has probably the most memorable. Damn, how do they even top the first episode of Memorable? But this is one of the most memorable moments in Peaky as we yeah, it is. into it. You know, as we were doing the rewatch, I didn't realize how far into the future this scene was. You know, like after the first season, I was like, ah, you know, maybe it's like two, season three. Nope, season five till we get to this scene. Yeah, yeah, it's because... It feels very season one-ish or two-ish. No, two-ish. Yeah. It feels very two-ish, right? Yeah. Specifically because you're in an open field. But mm-hmm. Tommy's getting ready for, yeah. I guess, his morning routine. Getting I mean, dressed, he's got a great a little bit of morning opium. routine. I mean, you, you just you <laughs> roll out of bed and drink some opium. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, he sees something that catches his eye out in the field, and it's actually, without explanation, he just runs out with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Have we decided it's a Lewis gun or a Tommy gun? What I this? can't remember like there's a mix the, uh, the, what we the, saw earlier in i think season, season one. one was a lewis gun this yeah, i think with, is a tommy uh, Freddie gun Byrne. this is a tommy gun yeah, right it looks like the lewis a gun, gun look, it's like a little mini gatling gun yeah yeah exactly so you know? that's what the lewis gun is yeah, yeah. anyways well, we, um, we kind of get uh, a little bit of a frame of, of what he's looking at which you know i didn't pay much attention to the first time like i thought it was just like a scarecrow like scarecrow in the middle of a field what's mm-hmm. so significant about it but it's actually uh, him crucified. It's yeah. the it's a cross basically, yeah. and it's it's like it's not like twigs just holding a scarecrow up like you would see. It's a uh, yeah. It's, it's a cross. It's, it's a cross. I had always noticed the cross, but I didn't realize until I watched it this time for like the fourth time. <laughs> God, I don't even know how many times I've seen this five. episode. Because I think you're on your fifth. This has got to be five or six times I've watched this episode. Um, yeah, I realized like on this one that it's actually Tommy on the cross because there's a if you see the pocket watch on there they mm-hmm. even go so far as to put the pocket watch where he usually hangs it mm-hmm. um well on the sign you see tommy and it's actually customary too because he has his whole shirt he literally is yeah. dressed the exact way exactly which, make, which makes me wonder where do they have these people planted in the field like are they watching they probably should have they knew that he would have seen it from his window perhaps mm-hmm. like I, at this point i'm paranoid for tommy is how how many people do they have spying on me at this point yeah how many people did it take to uh, hang a cross and uh i like how they kind of i like how they mock him they put obe on the envelope here obe obe Uh i always hear uh ibarama's voice when i hear the obe (laughs) um i don't know what scene he says that but it's pretty hilarious when he whenever he does anyways they leave a message to tommy with something cryptic that says something like look at the seeds you have sown look down the earth and see the seeds you have sown yeah well he looks around and those seeds actually happen to be landmines uh yeah which Immediately, I was like, how the hell did he not step on one on the way you out know, there? This guy is like the luckiest man I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, and look His how close he was to. like on it, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, there's several things about this landmine scene that when you've watched this episode six times, you start to like kind of pick apart little things here and mm-hmm. there. Uh, specifically, 
the way that he clears the field of the landmines. I'm not yeah. going to skip ahead here, but he clears it by just opening fire on the entire mm-hmm. landmine thing. Like, what do you tell a gardener? Because this this is what he calls his garden later in the episode. Do you oh, yeah. say, hey, got some landmines out there? How do you sweep this? Because if you know anything about, like, landmines or have watched any documentaries about, like, I think mm-hmm. it's Myanmar that had, like, a, I don't know how, like, a decades-long civil war or I don't know what, but mm-hmm. they still have landmines over there because they haven't taken them all out. So mm-hmm. I figure... They got all of them somewhere here, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, I, no security I, on the Shelby estate? Come on. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I don't know what he was thinking, not having any sort of security, but yeah, I, I still don't... I don't know how he would have managed to have, first of all, shot most of the landmines that he does shoot a little bit later in this. But right now, we, we get a, a glimpse of Tommy. I guess he's debating to blow himself up. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. To, to, to take it serious is like the common tr- uh, trend, or not trend. Like the, one of the themes this season is Tommy battling with, with his own desire to pretty much end things through his depression with his, with his now um, dead wife Grace, mm-hmm. and also just the voices he's hearing. He has a he has a family history, of I would say like, kind of mental mental illness in some way. But I'm sure the opium and the lack of sleep that they talk about later in the episode does not help the matter at all. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, Tommy's alone. Uh, he's alone in his journey. I mean, he does have his family, but he is very much alone in the burden that he carries yeah. of being responsible for everybody. Yeah, I mean, but you can't as really you share that with, like, a fan or anybody like that. No. It, well, I don't think he has nobody trustworthy enough in his family that he can share that with. Mm-hmm. So... The way I see it here is that um, he's really in uh, he's in a bind, and the only thing that carries him forward is really his love for his family. Because for the second time in a row, he's kind of saved by that. In the first episode, you see that he's going to take his life. Uh, he's thinking about taking his life when he kills Dangerous, his horse, mm-hmm. and then this time uh, he hears his son calling to him. Yeah, a little bit right after he decides not to do it. So it's yeah. like I think that's the theme we're going to see in this season is. And interesting enough, you have the cross behind him as he's yeah. contemplating killing himself, you know, yeah. taking in some biblical themes there. There's even a shot from the cross looking down at him. Mm-hmm. And it just always reminds me that Stephen Knight says that the story of Peaky Blinders is the story of Tommy Shelby's redemption. Yeah. Uh, that's a very interesting line. I, I feel like we, we're going to continue to see that ring true in this and the, uh, the next season. You know, I, I still just cannot believe after even after charlie's running out to the middle of the field (laughs) that nobody has been blown up by a landmine that is just strategically placed everywhere to make you blow up well you know uh just to give the the listener who may not have watched the episode Mm -hmm. or um maybe they listen to the podcast and don't watch the show who knows but uh just as tommy's on the field charlie's coming out and running towards him and that's what pretty much awakens Tommy because he's kind of like not sober either. He's literally just drank a little bit of opium. So yeah. uh, he hears Charlie's voice a little bit of an echo uh, in his head. But he sees him and pretty much puts aside his his selfish thought of suicide as well as like his own kind of drunk his drunken stupor mm-hmm. and runs across, picks him up, and places him down. It was He was actually running across the field to tell him that he had a phone call, yeah. which uh, was in my notes. But um, I don't think... Do you think the timing of the phone call was coincidental? Do you think it was meant to be at the same time that he was in the field? You know, I don't really know. I also don't know how long like they would let these phones ring. But if if we remember 
or a little like literally a few minutes ago in the episode as tommy was grabbing the gun to go walk outside he was getting a phone call at that time so all of this had to have you know happened while the phone was ringing or something i don't know i don't know why he would be coming out here unless maybe he was just getting repeat calls it's also interesting too and it's just kind of like as i was watching this for the 17th time mm-hmm. um i was realizing you know in the in the last episode it ends with tommy saying you know i'm not god yet and yeah. it's really after an, an argument with his son but i like the fact that the writer didn't give you a whole makeup scene with tommy and his son like mm-hmm. d- dude kids get over things in a day exactly. i mean it's just like i like the fact that now he's like happy to see his dad and i'm running across the field and some other people might watch that and be like well his son is still mad at him his uh, son's like two years old bro like, i just don't think we need to get into that sort of detail on something like this yeah i i think the main thing is, is that this is more about tommy and it, mm-hmm. this is the, the the trend or the theme that continues to develop is putting his loved one's life ahead of his own even if he does want to end it because mm-hmm. it is it's a gruesome pace he's living at just it's just ambition upon ambition upon ambition yeah to um for more power and he you know he talks about it later in this episode with arthur that he does not like the life you yeah know? that's true here we got tommy clearing the field uh walking carelessly on the mine this is my oh, only yeah. issue with the scene by the way is how he's walking but you ever just get so fed up with shit that you just don't care yeah like the, thing, uh, the many, things many that make you nervous <laughs> you know like things some things that might make you nervous but then maybe somebody pisses you off or you have so much to do that you can't afford to be held back exactly. by anything that's doing it. Well, yeah. t- this is like an extreme example of that. <laughs> it's a very extreme so, example. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. You know, I know we were picking on, on him somehow managing to shoot these landmines, which, by the way, like the explosions from them alone are pretty pretty big. Uh, One explosion uh, blows up another? Type well, of yeah, I mean, I, I could see that happening, like the dirt falling and, and triggering another landmine, but... The other thing that gets me in this scene is when he's shooting the wood of the cross and we see sparks as if he's shooting metal with lead. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. They, like, I, I don't know if it was special effects or, or you know, after the fact that, that, they, that they did or or what. If it's something that they did live, I, I don't know. But I thought yeah. it was a little weird. I, Inter- I, did, I didn't spark. i didn't catch that detail so maybe uh, some something on the prop side but yeah uh the next scene tommy's actually returning the call that charlie ran out there to tell him about and it's probably the most important scene in the episode it's definitely up there that, that is because for sure. because this scene really sets the tone for the rest of the season in some ways right mm-hmm. the episode's called black cats and the reason it's called black cats is because i mean tommy's a gypsy they're superstitious people mm-hmm. and um he believes in what he sees in his dreams yep. and, and the signs of what he sees, the patterns of, of what he sees in, in life, right? So he, is, he has a dream about a black cat. And black cat dream, according to this episode, means that a trader is close by, although it could have alternate meanings, mm-hmm. according mean to Polly, mm-hmm. But I question that, and we'll get to that later. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I took that line. You know, we'll, we'll get to it later. I'm not, I'm yeah. not even going to stop it now. We'll get to yeah. that. Well, let me just give a, a little quick TLDR of the phone call here. Mm-hmm. Tommy gets a call from, I would assume, the IRA. I think he clarifies that later that it is the IRA. The and they have, actu- they have actually pulled Michael acro- uh, off the boat that he was on in Belfast, mm-hmm. right? And what happened on the boat was they caught Michael talking to some Glasgow um, 
militia groups or revolutionary groups, and they were plotting to pretty much eliminate Tommy and take control of his racetracks mm-hmm. uh, in London. Uh, the IRA member gives Tommy an offer and essentially say, hey, you want us to put a bull in his head or uh, do you want us to send him home to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, which Tommy pretty much quickly says, send him home, but also asks, why are you doing me this favor? Which the reason being an ominous one that he's been claimed, he has been deemed useful by the angels of retribution since his recent conversion to socialism. Yeah. Are the angels of retribution the IRA? I'm so confused about the Angels of Retribution I because don't. in the in the previous episode he gets a letter from the Angels of Retribution. Yeah, they burn the letter, and uh, he sends a guy to Chinatown. He sends the guys to Chinatown and they kill somebody. Yeah, right. Which I thought the Chinese were the Angels of Retribution because they end up killing one yeah. of them. Right. Uh, unless I was wrong, that was not the Angels of Retribution, and that was just like some pedo ring inside of a China whorehouse. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could have been just completely unrelated to the people that we're seeing now. I mean, it was they they were there to kill him because of the other guy that Tommy confronted in the last episode when he knocked the bottle of wine over on his desk. He's like, "I have the photos." Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I don't know if we'll get clarity on that because I don't think anything that we'll watch later gives it to us. But we do know the Angels of Retribution are allies of the IRA, Mm. and that they have. For some reason, and I think we can take hunches in this episode of, as to why or who is behind it, um, he, they want Tommy for some reason or some purpose that he doesn't quite know what yet. Well, who doesn't want a Tommy in their back pocket? I mean, right? Like, right? It's, it's like your wild card. Right. Yeah, you're pulling, you're pulling uh, Tommy on the river. Yeah. So I got Tommy Shelby. Um, do you believe Michael in this? Do we believe him? You know, because he he denies it over the phone, right? His 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 anger and uh, just just like look of disgust whenever he he sees his family, which we'll see in a little bit, and just the way he talks about things makes me really really question it. Like I I want to believe him. But his character is just making me not want to, like really strongly trying to convince me to not believe him, I feel. Yeah, my thing with that scene was, even even before taking it to his expressions later, is like, what what would the motive be for these people to lie to Tommy? Like, I don't don't see a play there, you know, other than maybe causing some sort of... um, well, chaos in the yeah. family, you know. Yeah, I mean, it could be that, but I, I don't, I don't see a mode, uh, a great motive see, for it either. I don't, I don't see it because if you think about it, they're alerting Tommy that they got a, he has pretty much a rat in his family. Yeah, who's actually going to ally with their enemy, which is this, which are the Glasgow yep. revolutionaries. Because I don't think that those two are. I'm not very versed in IRA history, but I don't think that they are allies with the mm-hmm. uh, with Glasgow. I'm almost. 100% positive that they're not. Yeah. So it's pretty much common enemy there. They're both looking out for their own territories, right? Yeah. So although the Billy boys later, I think Arthur makes mention that they are from Glasgow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. So um, maybe it was the Billy boys he was going to make a deal with. Uh, that that would be interesting, actually. I have no clue. But yeah. it, it might also explain some things that we find out later in the season. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Any, anyways, we... we we glossed over, you know, Francis the maid confronting Tommy about what he was consuming, saying that he promised until not after dark. 
He was drinking, right? He was he was he was drinking. I'm sure he was doing other things in that too. Um, I think that's in like the subtext. I mean, but, but it was like six a.m. or seven a.m. Yeah, it was it was pretty early. And any anyways, Tommy's like, it, it is pretty dark. And uh, Charlie comes in after his violin lesson and plays what I think has to be the most horrendous. I think it fits. Thing I've kind of, <laughs> it, it fits. It totally fits. Like it definitely fits the the, the feeling of the scene. But it fits Tommy's frame wow. of mind for yeah, sure, right? That is for it's, sure. Uh, you get another scene a bit there that Lizzie and Ruby still aren't home. Uh, Tommy's life is kind of like in disarray at this moment. He doesn't have a gri- a grasp of. As we'll see in this episode, you, he starts to feel like he's being surrounded. Mm-hmm. I would also say that that's something that we saw, you know, beginning to manifest since the last season, especially. Um, You're more versed in that than I am because it has been. Uh, actually, I watched all of Peaky last year, so it has been like a year since I watched season four. But I don't remember Jack Squad until I actually rewatch it again when yeah. we do the pod. Yeah, I, I I just watched it like a few weeks ago with my wife, and uh, it, it's kind of familiar or, or, or on the forefront of my mind at this point. Okay. Well, you give us any insight there when, well, you, I, when I you will, see it. I will do what I can. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, the next scene, we have Tommy and Arthur meet pretty much what Tommy says is wasting his time with a meeting with Finn. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they're just trying to shake, you know, knock some sense into Finn at this point. Um, yeah. and really, the, I understand where Finn is coming from in this scene. I mean, they they do wake him up in a bar with a with a oh, hooker, or a prostitute, yeah. and uh, and he's pretty much just like they were when they were young, right? But mm-hmm. closer to Arthur and and John Boy in temperament, in my opinion. Oh, much closer. Uh, yeah, Finn is really just trying to find his place in the family, but we see that in his search for purpose, it's kind of just shows his own obliviousness to the actual situation going on. Like the family just lost all their money in, in the stock crash, right? Mm-hmm. Tommy's working on a bigger plan to re-legitimize the business and start cash flow coming in on the legitimate side. And Finn's worried about his position. Instead of looking for the opportunity within that, yep. he's trying to he's trying to pretty much do a measuring contest with with all the with all the other gang members. Yeah. Right. They just want him to act like a general. But at the same time I think that Tommy's less concerned about Finn here, and he's more concerned about what it would do to his reputation politically if they found out that his brother was running around the streets with a gun and and ultimately died. Yeah. Both oh, the de- the dying part doesn't matter. It's more the what would happen if he got caught, right? Yeah, I do. I do think Tommy loves his family. I just think that it's a different situation now with how much power and influence he has and how mm-hmm. much could be used against him politically. Yeah, there's just, there's just more on the line in general with, mm-hmm. I mean, anything that's going on with the family. So, I think, uh, I think he definitely cares, but there's, there's just you, more at stake. <laughs> don't you get the sense that um, as Tommy and Arthur are speaking after Finn leaves, that um, Arthur's kind of, he's like relieved that he doesn't have to be the leader of this gang anymore. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, that, right? I get that feeling a lot in this season i mean even yeah. even but back to the the last episode right like chairman or doorman and yeah. uh the moment tommy wants to take over he's like yep take it <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's like he's accepted his role of who yeah. he is and tommy is taking on the full burden tommy mm-hmm. actually does need a michael but michael's too busy in my opinion trying to screw him over mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, another funny thing though with uh, with Arthur and, and Finn, I, I think it happens either right now or at some point a little bit later. But uh, Finn, Finn is basically like, oh, you know, I I, I like the the girl I was with. I want to marry her. I, I talked to her. She she likes the life. And Tommy's like, yeah, we'll find someone who hates the life. Look at Arthur. That's what he did. Now he's the uh, chairman, chairman of, the of the board. Yeah, but it's like a. I think it's kind of a jab at Arthur, to be honest with you, because it's um. In the sense that he found someone who does hate the life. Linda secretly loves the life. That's actually the truth here. She loves. She loves the life. That's really what it is. She loves it, and she hates how much she loves it. Mm-hmm. That's really what this is about. Yeah. The reason she acts up. Everything she does is extreme. When oh, she's a very. when she's a Christian, she's a legalistic Christian to the degree that she's really not a Christian, mm-hmm. because of the way that she acts is not Christian like at all. Mm-hmm. And then when she's a gangster, she's better off just being a gangster because she's a, she's better at being a gangster than she is being a Christian. Yeah. To be honest with you, or, or whatever the heck she she practices in the show, because she ends up you know I, I don't want to skip ahead an episode, but um, she gets into like the pacifism and all that. Everything she does is extreme. Later in this episode, she says, I stopped drinking, so I threw out all your blow. Yeah. What does that have to do with me? It's like <laughs> it's like someone who goes on a diet and says, hey, I threw out all your cookies. You know what I mean? You're the one yeah. on the diet. You're the one who wants to lose weight. Why do I got to throw out the cookies? Yeah, all right. You know, that's what Linda is. She She's not satisfied with herself, and so she takes it out on Arthur. Right? Yeah. I, I, that, that's definitely something that we see over and over and over again since uh, she's appeared in in the show honestly yeah well i want to talk a little bit here about the fact that tommy is blatant and saying he doesn't like the life which i call bs i call bs that he doesn't like the life he totally lives for the life not for the like the materialism of it mm-hmm. but for the power the influence the respect that he gets from it he lives for that thing he lives for that challenge secondly he is convinced that he has a traitor around him. And now, more mm. so than ever, he says he thinks it's Michael. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree to a degree only because of, of what you just said. Only because of, of him about, hating about the life. What? Of him, him hating him the life. Hating okay. the life. Yeah. Only because of what I know happens later on in this season. And I, I, I don't want to give away too many are we doing too much of that, of talking about you what know, happens I later? I really don't know. Um, I'm kind of okay with it just because we know. I think we've been up front with it, with the context of, of this, right? Like we have rewatched and we're, we are rewatching it. But right it's now. not so fun if somebody's like, I don't know. You, there might be some one per whatever. Just yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't, I, like I said, I won't give the details, but there's something that we do have. And if I remember, I'll point it out when we get to it later on in the season that leads me to believe that you know he kind of does hate the life. I completely agree. He loves the drive of this. He loves, you know, being in power and, and, and you know, people needing him. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, for I, sure. I definitely agree with that for side sure. of it. But there are there are many aspects of the life i'm putting in air quotes because that means something can Um, we talk can we talk about something here yeah go for it uh i was thinking as i was watching this for the 57th time Mm -hmm. uh i think the reason tommy is so quick to think it's michael not just taking the phone call earlier in the morning into Mm -hmm. account is that i think he actually sees michael as the only legitimate threat from the inside yeah i mean finn's a child and arthur's 
I mean, again, I love Arthur, but he's kind of... Are you going again with the Arthur slander? He's, I, I love him. He's great. He's, always, he's one of my favorite characters in here. We know um, Arthur's the only unshakably loyal he, one in the family. He, Can we say that? He's unshakably loyal, but he's also just... He, he's just not the kind of person that could, like, lead an uprising strategically against another extremely strategic component like uh, opponent like Tommy. I just I just don't think he could he could do that. He doesn't have the drive in him. The only person yeah. there, the only two people probably Polly in Polly and Michael. I don't think Polly has the drive to supplant uh Tommy. The only thing that would make Polly do so is her love for her own son, but she would hate her son after the fact mm-hmm. in my opinion. But um, let's talk a little bit about what happens at the House of Commons. A cop visits Tommy to inform him that Mr. Levitt, the journalist who was, um, well, the gay journalist that yeah. w- who was in his office uh, in the last episode, uh, mm-hmm. was killed. Uh, he was actually shot to death, which ends the previous episode. Yeah. Um, Tommy seems surprised by this, which goes back to what we talked about last episode. I don't think the Peaky Blinders were behind that killing. Mm-mm. And I think we get double confirmation in this episode that they did not do it. Yeah. Which begs the question, who set them up and who's behind it? Because this episode is all about kind of like a show of power of Tommy's enemies saying Mm -hmm. that we have you where we want you. That's kind of what this episode does, right? Yeah, I agree. One thing that we did miss just before the whole police scene was, you know, uh, a a brief line of Tommy where saying something after Arthur confronts him, basically like, oh, I hear you don't sleep or can't sleep or whatever. And Tommy's like... He's like, uh, you know, I do sleep. When I sleep, I have dreams. And the dreams are basically of somebody wanting his crown. So just wanted to make sure that we didn't miss that line here. That's something that, you know, plays right into the whole Black Cats uh, aspect of of this episode. Absolutely. Uh, The following scene after Tommy meets with the cop is Michael's re-welcoming into the family, which is not very welcoming (laughs) at all. It's not very friendly, that's for sure. Not warm at the very least. Probably my least favorite scene of the episode. You get overly dramatic entrances from about like three characters. Gina comes out on cue. Polly always just, you know, always Polly's always being Polly, so she always gets the pass in my book. Yeah. But Arthur with the most random coming out of a phone booth. In I know scene. it kills me. He's just hiding in there in the background, just waiting for his. Michael. I think hey. what it was. He was probably literally on the phone with Tommy right before this happens. Yeah, it could be. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be surprised, right? Like, this is, <laughs> they planned to meet up like this. They cleared the place of cops beforehand. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Which is, just, this, this is, I think it's just an intimidation move, to be yeah. honest with you. No, 100% is. It's, 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 it's like, a, it's just a cockfight here. Uh, yeah. Here we have Arthur walking. I, I like the way he grabs his uh, his 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 coat here. but Yeah, to sort of kind of yeah. say, I got a weapon on me type yeah. of thing. Um, which I don't get because they, everyone knows they're not going to kill Michael at the entrance here. Like, so what's it for? Really? It's, it's show. It's just, it's a show of muscle. It's, it's what I it think is. it's Tommy's show that I run shit but, and you don't well, run shit. And, and I mean, I, I can't blame him for, for just kind of like, you know, wanting to, to kind of put Michael in check, right? Like he just lost the company, all their money just about, right? I, I person I personally think that if you think Michael's a traitor, what you want to do is try to reel him in. Reel him in and then try to catch him in the, yeah, in the lie. But uh, I, Rather would, than I would agree if somebody didn't just call me while Michael was held tied to a chair. No, no, like that's the reason I would. That's literally the reason I would do it. If I didn't get that call, I probably would have done this, uh, in my opinion. 
Or he would have just walked his ass to wherever he was going and pay for your own hotel. Yeah. He literally just lost the whole company money going against my orders. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. But th- my the thing that kills me in this scene is Michael's surprise. No, oh, I know. Michael's surprise to the hostile welcome. Are yeah. you kidding me? You lost the whole family money. Okay. Yeah. You lost the whole legitimate source. The only reason you were brought into the business was to protect the legitimate money. Mm-hmm. And you failed your Screw one job. It. And he has like this, he has like this just absolute like disbelief that he doesn't deserve this treatment. He's wild. He's wild in this episode, in my opinion. Yeah. But, and then he uses his wife as a shield, which oh, is despicable. Uh, exactly. And, and, you know, this is this is the whole bit of the scene that I was talking about where it's like, you know, he gets extremely, def- he just, he appears completely disgusted with the life and the scene and oh yeah like his family is so bad they, yeah exactly they just funded his life where he was just doing coke and meeting his girl who he met because of his family fu- funding the life exactly. if she would if he would have been working in a freaking coal mine she was not going for him yeah i just he, he, i understand his outrage of being considered as a traitor though i understand that if he's not actually a traitor i understand that part don't yeah. you I, I understand it, but there's also like a million ways to handle it much better than he just did. Um, it it makes you look guilty. I agree. I think you got to answer this situation with some humility, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially after you did just royally screw the whole the family. Pooch. Like, yeah, exactly. You I understand like the defensiveness money. against the Belfast stuff if you're not guilty. Yeah. But at but the same the time, whole... Tommy could have just said, yeah, put a bullet in his head. Absolutely. I'd Absolutely. Like, Thank you. And by the way, die. by the way, nothing would have come back to Tommy on that. Nope. Nothing. Nope. It would have been done with. And he could have lied to Polly if he really wanted to be an a-hole. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I don't, I don't know. This whole scene, I just think it's just gearing up to be a nasty thing. And I really didn't see Michael as the... As this type in the earlier seasons, but no, me neither. Like his, uh, I, I didn't mention it, or maybe I did in the last one. I can't remember. His character significantly changes and changes right? in this season compared to all of the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, in all of the other seasons, he's he's this very, I would say, loyal, intelligent um, asset, and yeah. in this one. He he feel I, I, ever since the first episode on here, I just feel like he is betraying the family in some way. He, and, and I mean, in a way, he kind of I don't maybe betray in this sense is too strong a, a term, but you know, losing losing the money after he was explicitly told to sell and not sell, you kind of you kind of really screwed up. So I, I, yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll on, the, on the positive side with the encounter, Tommy really trusts Polly's judgment the most of anybody. And um, what he does is he sends Polly essentially to uh, judge Michael's motive. He, he really he trusts in Polly's intuition when it comes to anything with, you know, reading dreams mm-hmm. or a sense of things. Like, he trusts her judgment on that. And Polly believes that Michael's telling the truth. Now, is she being clouded by her love for her son? TBD. TBD. You know, when... When I, I, I don't know what it was about the scene, if it was just the whole scene or the way that Polly said that, but um, when when Polly tells Arthur, tell Tommy, Polly said 
he's not lying. Like, I just, like, I don't know what it was about the delivery or something. It kind of felt like there was, like, a code word in there or something where it was, like, he's lying. I could see that. I could see that totally. That's the feeling that I got. But, but, it, but, it, do, but it does go completely against the meeting they have later on in the episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, just where we are right now, like, that was the initial vibe that I, I got from the scene the first time I had watched. Actually, almost every time I watch it, I'm like, I think the same thing. I'm like, I'm trying to read between the lines. I'm like, is, did she make a, a, did she wink? Did she do something? Uh, just to All kind right. of, like, it, it imply that in some way. He yeah. was betraying them. Let's talk the next scene. We go to the House of Commons again. A montage of Tommy speaking in the house, and we get the reaction of Ada, who's really observing from the top. Yeah. And in half mixed, in my opinion, admiration of her brother. Like, wow, look at the way, look how far he's come. <laughs> it's crazy. And um, also, kind of spying and being uh, Tommy's eyes from where he cannot see. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're gonna see here is Ada's eventual transformation into tommy's um trusted advisor because uh if you really think about it it's tommy and her who are like intellectually on the same level in terms of uh most things i'd say but um yeah i think i'm very interested in the development of tommy and ada's uh relationship yeah really so anyways uh following this scene they have a sit down with oswald mosley over drinks which is full of subtext Full of subtext. <laughs> that is for uh, sure. Every scene with Mosley is just loaded with subtext here. And when you watch it like 77 times, like the way I have, you see more <laughs> and more. And oftentimes, like, I, I just think that maybe every single show is designed this way. And I think it is because the same can be true about any well-written show. You rewatch it and you're like, damn, I didn't hear that line. I didn't hear it said that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was in reference to that scene earlier in the episode. You start to see the narrative bridging together in a, just a different light when you rewatch something. Yeah. And uh, this particular encounter focuses on the Irish. The Irish question starts yeah. with the Irish whiskey that he orders with Tommy. And he says, to give him one from my glass, right? There's uh-huh. subtext there, okay? There's subtext that he wants Tommy under his, in his bottle type of thing. Yeah. He also keeps on bringing up Ireland. What's your position on the Ireland question? He lets him, le- he lets him know essentially... Um, what happened in the morning with Belfast and the Irish, the IRA called you, right? Mm. He's, there's subtext all over this that Mosley is behind or connected in some way, and Tommy is sensing it in some way. But yeah. he's trying to balance that also with knowing that he has a traitor on the inside, right? Yeah. Uh, just all over this episode, we see that. That's for sure. Why do, you, why do you think Tommy brings Ada here other than just, I don't know, what do you think? What do you think? It's a great question. Um, I, I mean, Tommy did introduce her as his advisor just here, basically. And, you know, yeah. the fact that she advised to not meet with this weirdo. Um, I I think it's just, it's another close person to Tommy that is easy to get into the room and have him help or have her help him, you know, get to the bottom of certain things. Let me give a quick shout out to Sam Claflin here. <laughs> Did you see the close up when he's getting frustrated? Because he's so perturbed yeah. by Ada being there because he wanted a one on one audience mm-hmm. with Tommy. And you can tell when he doesn't get his way that he is just furious. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you can totally see it. No notice this stare right here. Right here on the close up. Get ready. Maybe I passed it. I think you passed it, but I know. 
what you're talking about. Um, and maybe, I mean, that could be it too. Like it could just have been a way to get under his skin, you know, cause right here. Tommy seemed Ooh. perturbed by Oswald Mosley in the first episode. And, you know, now that we know he wants to meet with him yeah. and they wanted, he wants it to be on one-on-one. Well, what's the power move here? Make it a not one-on-one meeting, right? It's my sister. Yeah. She's my advisor. What do you want? I just think he always wants to keep him off kilter, right? Yeah. He wants I, to play, I would too. He, he's also playing a bit hard to get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that he knows Oswald Mosley wants him to be in cahoots with him. But Tommy's yeah. continually kind of just saying, I don't give a shit. I'm do it my way. Uh, in this shot here, <laughs> I mean, is it, is, it not, is it not clear that this man probably watched like 50 hours of Hitler speeches? I would imagine. Because look, <laughs> look, look, look at the look in his eyes. You ever seen like a, like a documentary of Hitler, like where he's given a speech or something like that? If I it's have, lit- it's been a long time. It's it's like identical. It's like identical. It's like an intense, non-blinking. It's it's kind of disturbing. It is. And Sam Claflin kills it, man. He kills it. Is he? What else is he in that I might have seen? Uh, I think he's in a movie called. Almost one hundred percent positive, he's in a movie called Me Before You or something like that, which is super depressing. It's a chick flick. Hmm. and um i or i don't even know it's kind of deeper it's kind of too dark to be maybe be a chick flick but <laughs> he's in a bunch of stuff man uh he's in uh, hunger games too he, i think yeah he's in hunger games me before does he play you. uh he plays finnick in hunger finnick, games right finnick O'Dare, yeah yeah he's which in, is uh, damn that must have been a long time ago because he looks like so much older here mm-hmm. all right let's continue with this conversation here yeah go on um Tommy evades most of Oswald's questions here where he's asking him to uh, pretty much state his position and which Oswald also does not uh, answer the question of whether he's leaning towards fascism, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where he is pivoting. He is pivoting towards fascism, right? Yeah, he is. Now, in the following scene, I do want to mention something here. Yeah. There's a line in here too that I, I want to make sure that we don't. Yeah, I'm I'm, to- I'm totally skipping some stuff here. What line did you want to mention before I say what I'm gonna say uh, here? He, he Oswald brought up something about he preferred Irish or Scotch or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, Oswald essentially drops a lot of hints here. He talks about he pretty much drops a lot of subtext in the combo about that he has intel on Tommy mentions the name of his horse uh, he mm-hmm. mentions that he knows may carlton he mentions um lots of things he also mentions that he want, pretty much wants tommy to be a go a go between as a connection be- with the irish and belfast mm-hmm. uh tommy essentially says he's not interested really only focusing on birmingham and oswald you can just tell he's not the type of person who likes hearing no for an answer oh yeah because as tommy's walking away he kind of gives a little, little sly smirk now the next scene with Ada in the hallway, which I don't know why Tommy's speaking in the hallway because it's pretty clear to me at this point that if his secretary's not a snitch, somebody is a rat within his within his office mm-hmm. in this place, right? Because of the appointment with Levitt. Yeah. That, that's what really does it for me. But Tommy sees, tells Ada, and he kind of looks the most paranoid that maybe he does in the whole episode here mm-hmm. where he just says, I feel like people are circling around me. They are coming from my throne. And he's on to something, though, because he's kind of like, at the same time while being kind of overly paranoid, mm-hmm. he's also sober-minded because he does tell Ada, I want you to call the uh, Shelby Company Limited America 
mm-hmm. find out who Michael was meeting with and who he's made deals with, which is really smart to do. Yeah. What did he mean by the whole whiskey line, the Irish whiskey line? Because I'll tell you the line that I had never noticed in watching this sh- in th- this episode several times was uh, when he says Ireland, the Irish. The Irish have had the day. Pretty much like that this whole theme of this episode revolves completely around the forces that are in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Right? It starts with the mines in the field because we find out that it's from there. Yeah. And it moves on to the situation with Abarama later in this episode. And it continues with the Belfast uh, I- IRA who call him about Michael doing a deal uh, or trying to do a deal mm-hmm. with his enemies. Yeah. I, I really do like that scene with Ada and Tommy because it does show how much Ada loves Tommy. She's genuinely concerned for him and really uh, kind of reminds me of my own sister here. You mm-hmm. know, like if my when my sister, you know, invites me over for, you know, pretty much to get my mind off things, you know, yeah. it kind of just reminds me of that element. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. W- what did you think overall about the whole encounter with Mosley and with Ada as the advisor there and the aftermath of what Tommy thinks is going on around him? I mean, I, I think it's probably one of the better scenes in the episode just with so you know, many the, the dialogue that that was going on there and. A lot of a lot of the subtext. There's still still some things that I'm trying to break down that I'm not 100, percent you know, certain on in terms of what was meant by it. But I mean, just I feel like every line in the uh, in the dialogue there had some additional meaning in some way, almost. Yeah. Now we keep on talking about good scenes in this episode, but is any scene more important than the following scene? I just think like it's one great meaningful scene after another in this mm-hmm. episode yeah right? the the, mi- the the middle of this episode was was great i think we have a lot of back-to-back high quality uh scenes yeah. that, that finally needed to happen and yeah we, well we we get the actual face-to-face mm-hmm. first encounter in this next scene with tommy and michael but before that paulie is essentially asking him you know have you been seeing things thomas Mm-hmm. And he says, I saw I saw a black cat in my dreams. And you know what that means, Paul. I love Paulie's reaction to the black cat dream here. Mm-hmm. Because she knows damn well what it means. Yeah. And I think she downplays what it what it could or could not mean. She thinks that it also could mean um that you're betraying yourself or something like that, right? Or deceiving mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, she specifically now, said, yeah, it could mean that you're betraying yourself or, or deceiving yourself in addition to somebody I, else betraying you, yeah. Yeah, I personally don't think that that's what it means based off of some of the stuff going on. But I could see Pauly kind of clouded by her love of Michael trying to protect him because in the follow, like when Michael actually enters the bar... He actually looks contrite, which kind of shows me mm-hmm. that I think he th- really feels the only person he owes an apology to is Tommy. Because yeah. Tommy's the one who put him on. Tommy's the one who gave him any sort of power and influence. Tommy's the one who spared him and sent him to America, right? Mm-hmm. But um, he starts off the conversation on a weird note, essentially saying that he betrayed the family and his heart, saying that he wanted to leave at one point and steal money and go fund films in California. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I love the editing in this scene because... You see that the editor who worked on this was completely in tune with the motives and the cares of each character because as soon as Michael says that he betrayed Tommy, mm-hmm. it immediately cuts to Polly. It doesn't cut to Michael. It cuts to Polly who whips her head around and says like pretty much like shut up. Yeah. You know, because you got Tommy over there fuming, fuming and suspecting at this point, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, 
Tommy cuts the bullshit real quick, tells Michael to sit down, and he wants to know what happened on the ship. And Michael gives him the lowdown, says a bunch of revolutionaries from Glasgow approached him, asked him if he was interested in taking out Tommy. The interesting part is that he never gave an answer to what mm -hmm. he would do. He says he didn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. Now, the IRA busted in as fake cops, which is very convenient because mm -hmm. it kind of totally. saves him from having to say what he said. Mm -hmm. And um, he ends the story by saying it was a group called the Billy Boys. Okay. Yeah. Which becomes important later. Very. <laughs> um, he also informs the family that Gina's pregnant, which is why they got married. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see that Michael's using this in a way. I think he's trying to humanize the situation going on, and he's trying to soften the blow here. I mean, I don't see this as Michael genuinely saying, like, man, I can't wait to tell my family I'm having a kid. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with what's going on. I agree. And um, Tommy ends the convo in a kind of passive-aggressive tone. Essentially says that the baby witnessed everything that Michael says mm -hmm. and that he's going to be born accordingly. Essentially, the harm will come to the baby if Michael was lying. Yeah. Which pisses off Michael, right? Naturally, yeah. that would piss me off. I mean, I think it pisses anybody off who's uh, yeah. uh, got their head on their shoulders in any, any stretch of the means. Yeah, but I think telling enough is that when Michael stands up to Tommy after he, he makes that comment, it's Gina who reels him back in, which to me is the first tell. Yeah. Of who is behind exactly. what's going on here. Yeah. You, you get you get a sense that, that she's really the one pulling the strings. He's just she's, the one with the connections. Ever since the first time I saw this, this scene specifically, I had my doubts about her up until this point. But it was this scene that really made me feel like, you know, it, it like, it may, maybe Michael is, is the one that is betraying Tommy. But I just don't I, I know who else it could be. Controlled by Gina. I don't know who else it could be. It's just that's how I feel about I it. I know. At this point. I just I, I don't I could not see Polly doing it because Polly also seems like one of the those people who are just too loyal. I just think she's she's incredibly loyal. I think she will make a tough choice if she has to make a tough choice. But I also think she's talk when it comes to uh, being weird with her family mm -hmm. because at the end of the day i think tommy's just as much of a son to her as as uh, michael is i would almost argue that tommy's more of a son to her i mean it is it is her nephew if i remember correctly um tommy is, is her nephew yeah, yeah, but yeah. Mm -hmm. i mean uh michael and his sister were taken away as what babies is that right yeah babies because of uh as in the yeah, first season, Polly talks about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, at, at this point, well, you, yeah, you a little, a little distillery. It wasn't a big distillery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was in like her her bedroom or something. It was nothing crazy. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I mean, she she basically and practically raised Tommy because the uh, his mother had died, which I believe we find out how later in this. It was either last season or this season. I can't remember. Um, and how then, is yeah later in this season? Yeah. We find out about that with Tommy, but um, it's interesting that Polly storms off after Michael. I think she's mm -hmm. trying to be the go-between. She's trying to mediate the situation. Maybe she thinks that this can be salvaged at this point, and it could be. Mm -hmm. could be salvaged, but Tommy does indicate that Michael is not free, and he does remind him that he lost the company a lot of money, mm -hmm. and he wants that money back, and he tells him that there are risks that he can take. So Tommy is expecting that Michael will fully recompensate for his mistakes in America because yeah. he has not forgotten the mistake that Michael made. And perhaps that might play a motive 
for why Michael wants to get out from underneath Tommy because he knows that Tommy's going to make him take risks, yeah, which could lead to something. It's going to be for Tommy. That's the other thing. Absolutely. And Michael is too soft. He's too. He's not in the game. He's not like an Arthur. He's not a soldier type. He is a. He's a strategist, but he is a uh, behind the desk strategist, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, the following scene, they do mention Abarama coming south. They also mention the fact that the Billy Boy is moving south, right? Mm-hmm. Abarama's in the woods in the next scene where you get a message sent from the Billy Boys who want to send a message to Tommy that it's time for him to share his mm-hmm. tracks, his race tracks with yeah. them, right? They're coming, they made, and they, made a, they sent a message by killing Bonnie Gold, Abarama's son, mm-hmm. the boxer who was such a heavy part of season three or four? Four, I want to say. Four, yeah. okay. Um, what on earth happens in three? I just three is like is three the worst season of Peaky because I don't remember any of it. it in my opinion, I th- I really think it is. It starts. Is that the is that the Italians? Me. Is that is that the Adrian Brody season or is that last season? So we had you know episode or, or season one was you know Chester Campbell see and and uh, Billy Kimber season mm, you get two Billy was, Kimber, yeah, yeah, yeah. was Sabini and uh, Chester Campbell. Okay, fantastic season. season. Yeah, season three. The priest was the yeah. It was the priest and the Russians. That's right, the yeah. Russians. The, the, the okay, whole heist the the jewel heist yeah. thing. I think that was the worst season. We're a we great season po- four, which is we're a great we, we're a great relatable podcast. We're the common man's podcast yeah, here. Exactly. We're not we're not hyper nerd. We we don't know every single thing about Peaky, but we yeah. do enjoy this damn show. Yeah, we really uh, do. Yeah. Well, um, the the following scene. Sorry, go ahead. Jack, I was going to say the one thing that we we didn't touch on, which I think is one of my favorite, uh, not favorite parts of the show, but it's just it's iconic. It always gets stuck in my head is the song that the Billy Boys sing when they yeah <laughs> when Billy they come Boys, Billy, Billy, oh, Billy Boys, whatever. But I, what I love is Abrama <laughs> when he goes. I love actually. Um, uh, what's his name? What's the name of the guy who's the leader of the Billy Boys? Jimmy McCavern. Uh, yeah. Um, I love that when Abarama goes, <laughs> who the hell are you? <laughs> McCavern goes, did you not hear our song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I love that line. He's like, did you not hear our song? Uh-huh. So good. Well, um, the next scene we get Arthur and Finn. Arthur kind of alludes that he has some trouble that Finn can get up to earlier in the episode. And I, I would assume the trouble is turning Billy Grade, a former footballer slash football coach, soccer in, mm-hmm. in the UK, uh, actually soccer in in the states, yeah. uh, football. They want to turn him to be a, essentially a somebody who fixes games. Yep. They wanna they want him to pretty much find out everybody's price so that they can turn as many games as possible. And Arthur's looking to be about as bad an influence as possible because Billy mm-hmm. is a, a, a now sober individual. Seems like he's gotten his life cleaned up. And first thing Arthur does is buy him a drink and leave the of bottle course. with him. Of course. So he knows his weakness, and Arthur is a—he's in scummy, scummy mode here. Yeah. You know, I, I do just want to jump in here for a moment because every time I have ever seen this episode, until this morning when I did the rewatch and accidentally happened to have the the, the captions on, I always thought they called him Billy Gray. Like he and was I, a family member? Exactly. And I always have thought since the very first time I've ever seen this that he was a gray related to Polly in some way. Yeah, this, this show morning, I just is realized a subtitle necessity. Grade. Yeah, yeah. Th- this, this show is like, you need subtitles. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
I find it hilarious how much of a hard ass Arthur can, how he can just turn that switch on, bro, to like I don't care to, because he doesn't act this way with his family. No, but because that back at home it ain't like this. You got Linda being super passive aggressive, mm-hmm. writing a letter in front of him saying this is for you. It's essentially a th- an open threat. I'm writing yeah. a letter as a threat, but you can't have it until I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. She's so. Uh, Man, she's agitating. Oh, she's such I, an I agitating character. Every time she's in the scene, Ugh, she's so annoying. Uh, and Arthur just his life is going out of control at home. It's just a complete mess. Mm-hmm. And the women, I guess, thought that you know women were conspiring at home. Her and Lizzie, and they decided that it was going to be a brilliant idea to write a a letter to their husbands as to how they want them to change or that they're going to leave and divorce them. Um, Arthur doesn't take this very well. Because <laughs> no, no. Linda's like in a I'm a reformed human being mode at this moment. Mm-hmm. And um, Arthur's just, he doesn't have a way to handle conflict other than being hella aggressive. Yeah. So, uh, and to be honest, Linda just brings out the worst in you. It brings out the worst uh, in she me. She brings out the worst in me. I mean, it just, yeah. just irritates <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Well, they blame, they, they have somehow managed in their feeble minds to... Uh, to blame Tommy for losing all the legitimate money. Mm-hmm. Like when I say like the like they piss me off so much, just because we've been riding or dying for the Shelby family since season one, man. Yeah. All right. The Lizzie and Linda haven't done absolute jack peanuts for the Shelby family. Okay. Mm-hmm. They haven't done anything specifically. Linda, at least Lizzie's done some stuff. Yeah, I mean she's but done some stuff Linda. to a few different people, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of the Shelby brothers. <laughs> but, yeah. but but she but aside from that, she was a you know someone that Tommy confided in somebody who was like a rock she's always been a rock linda's just been a constant pain in the ass like it's just goodness gracious Mm -hmm. anyways so while linda's doing that with the letters lizzie's back in tommy's house doing the same thing don't forget that arthur just burned the letter he just took it and threw it in the fire and it was like he didn't read it she's like well (laughs) i guess i'm gonna have to give you the second one that i wrote can (laughs) arthur read about something different can arthur's character read i'm pretty sure i'm i'm pretty sure arthur can read in this i think all of the men can at this time i want to say it was women who weren't either weren't allowed to go to school or they like they just didn't have a great education I may yeah. be I may be completely incorrect with that. So again, if you're a historian, you know, you're jump a sexist. In, whatever. So you are. You're uh, a sexist. I didn't make the law. I'm just I'm just you know talking history here. Um, <laughs> and, but, but, I think of that because of the comment that Tommy makes here that you know. No, but to, but to, Tommy's Tommy's like a cold cold dude, bro. Like he oh, yes. he knows how to say the remark that gets who just gets back. He's um what is what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know skin. right now it's not that it's a it's a, there's a specific word for it he knows how to be very cutting and cutthroat when it comes to his insults yeah and uh because lizzie writes him a letter as well but tommy reads it and he's dealing it with a very completely passive aggressive tone oh yeah uh he knows that everybody needs him and uh, essentially i think he kind of feels a little helpless here uh he tells lizzie essentially look do you do you want me and arthur do you and linda want me and you me and mm-hmm. arthur to write letters to you and he reminds her, like, the things that we have witnessed, the atrocities that we've witnessed, they haven't invented the words. I yeah, love that it's line so, so much. iconic. Right? It's great. It's great. But, um, and you can see Lizzie kind of choking up in the scene. But she, at least Lizzie, in a more tactful manner, you can see what her motive is here. What yeah. she's really concerned about is that Tommy's living destructively. He doesn't look yeah. healthy. He's not sleeping. He's taking opium like crazy. They yeah. lost all the money. 
she's got two kids she's worrying about and she has no idea what she's going to have to do. I think she's probably thinking, am I going to have to go back to being a prostitute mm-hmm. if he dies? Like, well, what do I do? Yeah. The only living she knows how to make is to be a prostitute. Yeah, that's all he's, she's talking he, he has like redeemed that, redeemed her of that life, mm-hmm. pretty much made her a new woman, Yeah, you know? And uh, she senses that. And I think she's appreciative of that. Linda, to me, is more of like a, an issue. I think Lizzie's coming at it from the right perspective. Linda's coming at it from a... I don't even think Linda knows what she wants. No, you know? Linda's just being aggressive. Lizzie here, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, she she's much more tactful here. Like, she's not just being... I mean... She she's not just being a pain in the ass with this, right? Like she she's really you know thinking about what she's doing, why she's saying it, and you know I mean she she ends part of this with you know like oh I I just want to make sure that there's something for me, right? Like you know I want to make sure that there's something left, you know, uh, yeah. because otherwise what is she gonna do? She's gonna have to go back to prostitution, which Tommy ends ends this, you know. Well, in my mind, I still pay for you for it anyway. Yeah, which is another which yeah. is another dig, which is yeah. another dig at her, exactly. right? I'm sure but she's self the first the first that. one was. It, doesn't help that you can't spell. Yeah, he he hits her in the spots that she know he knows are probably insecurities mm-hmm. of her. Now, in this scene where you get the montage, because Tommy's awaiting a call, right? Yeah. Uh, he gets a call from someone, and he says about the night you met Michael Gray. Mm-hmm. Okay, they leave it open ended, so yeah. he has this call, and we don't find out what happened with that person on the phone, who they are even, mm-hmm. and what Michael was planning. So they do that for a reason. Nothing is by accident on this show. And by the way, they don't answer that question in season season five um, of who that person is on the phone. So I think that's going to be a season six, mm. something that gets resolved in season six of who was on this particular call. That's how well-written this show is, that there's just that one little three-second clip mm-hmm. line yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to bet anything on this, but I'm wondering if it was McCavern. I don't think so. I think I know who it was because I think he's going to be a character in the next season, and uh, we'll see. So you don't, you don't think the person is revealed in any way in this no, current season? Not at all. I think it will be a person who comes in. So in somebody, we, somebody we've, we've basically never seen. Exactly. Okay, got it. Exactly. Interesting. Now, that also goes with my other theories of who the traitor is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now, my question to you is this here. By the way, doesn't his son look different here? Like, not the same kid? He does, that was look, on the thing? He does look a bit different. Right. I don't know what it is. The girl's the same, but he looks a little different. He, he does. Um, did you... I For some reason, the, this whole scene, I never realized Tommy was behind her until, like, there. But before, when she's covering him, I did not think he was well, i think i think that him. was done 100 percent intentionally right because like the whole the, the the back and forth between lizzie and tommy was, was basically like hey he's not here the kids are scared of you they don't even want you here blah 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 and you know going into this little party i, I mean I, I think right after we left the last scene like the perspective we were forced uh or or, or just really given here was that tommy's not going to be there the kids are afraid lizzie doesn't even really want him there and you know we cut to the scene they're having a party they're having fun he's in his office and like the immediate cut before this can i and he's not there at all right and then she pivots and it's like oh oh he is there okay i like timing again right speaking of that Mm -hmm. okay of not being in his office or anything like that notice tommy because all right i never noticed that line with the phone call until this last watch through Mm. okay 
Look at Tommy's facial expression on the couch. Yeah, he does. He, he seems He's preoccupied shocked. with something. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't okay. I'm shocked is the wrong word, but yeah, preoccupied. Yeah, right? He's just not, he's not there. And look at him in his office. He's thinking about something. He's looking off yeah. to the side. I think he has confirmation on who the traitor is. I think it's Michael, personally, based off of his body language after that phone call. He only yeah. had one call. It must have been an important call because he's taking it super late imagine. at night. Right, you know, I, I'm wondering. Uh, so, so if he's calling somebody about Michael, um, and you know, the day you met Michael, it can either it it can only be a few groups. I mean, basically, like like the Billy Boys or or, or the Angels of Retribution that we just met, right? Because those we know those are the only ones that I, that he met with. He met the Glasgow people on the boat. Well, or it's interesting that he says Boston. Somebody, There's a lot from, of Irish people in Boston. Right. Yeah, I was well. I was gonna say, or it is from uh, somebody from the U.S. I, I just don't know who. I I think I know who it was in the U.S. personally. Okay. Now, do you want me to reveal who no. I think it was? No, I don't want you to. Okay. When should I reveal that? Because I th- I do think that that needs to be one of our wagers going into season six. I agree. I have no intel when- on this. Okay, so let me let me ask a question, and this is more for you than, than for the sake of the show, just for my own understanding more than anything, honestly. Um, the person that you think it is, is it somebody that we have context and, and, and awareness of in the yes. show? Yes. Okay. But we've never met them. Now, do you okay. want – let's just do it now. Let's just do it now. We'll bring it up again later. All right. Who do you think – and it doesn't mean that Michael's a traitor – but who do you think that he met with in the U.S.? You get one guess, and I get one guess. You, you know, I, the entire time, I wasn't really thinking too much about him meeting people in the U.S., so I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't remember if Charlie Chaplin and Winston Churchill were in the United States. They were. They were they in were. So I want to say it was somebody in relation to them. Them, okay. Is that your final guess? Because for now, a whiskey, because a whiskey really, bottle's on the line here. I really don't have anything. Yeah, you got to get get. I don't know why you don't like that Glenlivet. You're gonna have to give me this. I do. I do like the Glenlivet. All it's right, just. Right. A, I well, like the Glenlivet. You know, I'll 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 throw it out I there. I want a bottle I, of the Grace Town. I have after. I have Z. Yeah, I have to give you some some of the Grace Town. It's it's. It's actually one of one of my my more uh, favorite ones that I've been buying recently. Um, I'm I, I'm just gonna go with somebody in relation to to Winston Churchill or um, Charlie Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin <laughs> okay. because I for the life of me cannot think of anybody else at this point, and I have zero confidence <laughs> in that answer. It's gonna be completely wrong. All right, I'll give you my guess. Al Capone. Al Capone. You think we're going to get that much of it? Dang. You know, didn't I feel like I saw some, some casting for season six about somebody coming in to play Al Capone. That's not fair. You're, you're, using, you're using context from outside not, of the show, outside I'm using, of the season. I'm not. I'm also using context from other parts of the season <laughs> in which Michael says a certain thing. I think we're going to get Al Capone in season six. You know, I we, all, I, I we also get mention of Al Capone in season four. Do we not? I can't remember, but I you don't, I, you don't remember almost remember certain. remember in that remember in the in uh, when they turn on Adrian Brody, isn't it Al Capone? Adrian Brody, who's Adrian Brody again? 
he is um luca changreta oh yeah 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 right doesn't he make mention of uh al capone or am i going crazy i don't know like the Shingretas, like it's it's the mafia, man. I mean, the mafia is the mafia. I don't know if we're gonna continue that storyline on that much, but the moment you mentioned Al Capone, remember, because Luca was the leader of the Changreta mob in New York, who had an intense rivalry with Chicago's Al Capone, okay. as both men were working in the liquor business during the probation prohibition era. Then Luca Changreta and his gang be. are entirely fictional, come the man of Peaky Blinders, whatever. It, I mean, it, it very well could be. And again, like the moment you mentioned Al Capone, I don't know why, but it just popped in my right? head. I, it it does, right? it does. But I swear, I have heard something the of somebody being thank you of somebody being cast for Al Capone. How many and, bottles are we gonna have on the line on this? On this, we gotta have a couple of prop bets. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll start with this one. All right, all right, uh, all right. And you know, let me let me note that down. Um, Charlie, yours, she, your guess was Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Mar- Dude, I don't. I, somebody in relation to. I don't. I don't know who. Because okay, I, okay, I, I okay. couldn't think of anybody else in the U.S. I, right. I said I had zero confidence in it. So, <laughs> so no, it's a, it completely understandable. Mar- Mar- mine. I've been thinking bad. about it for a while. Yeah, cool. I, I haven't put like any thought into it other than like I don't like Michael right now. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Mario is Al Capone, and Zachary is. <laughs> Just say, in, I'll give in you in relation to the Churchill <laughs> and the Chaplin meeting. I understood where Charlie you were going with it. It's, it's not a Chaplin bad guess necessarily, meeting. but it would be like a next level political move by oh, Michael. That's for sure. sure. I, that'd, that'd be a weird one. But anyways, yeah. okay, got it. Let's end this because we are um, we're in the last scene here. Abrahama shows up to the Tommy estate mm-hmm. here, the Shelby estate. Uh, with a beaten up Johnny Dogs, who he thinks is the traitor, yeah. which... Well, for good reason. Johnny Dog supposedly was the only one who knew, knew where, he was. where Abrahama and his son were camped. Yeah. So what happens is Abrahama gets out, threatens to kill Johnny Dogs essentially, mm-hmm. and um, essentially tries to deliver him to Tommy as the traitor. Yeah. Uh, Abrahama's out of delusion out of his mind. He's been shot in the arm. The son and, just uh, got killed. He's, naturally, he's in a different state of mind. and um, But he brings the chaos to Tommy's house because the death... The murder was because they were trying to send a message to Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lizzie comes out furious uh, in this scene, but Tommy Tommy takes the scene back home and says, everyone needs me. He ends the scene with that. Yeah. And uh, we do realize, everyone has to realize, at the end of the day, they want to talk all the smack. But at the end of the day, Tommy Shelby, they need him. Everybody everyone. needs me. Even Abarama in his grief knows he needs Tommy. Yeah, it's true. Right? It's very true. Now he does make a line. He does say a line to Johnny Dogs here. Johnny picks him up. He says, "I know black cat, Tom. I know black cat." <laughs> and <laughs> that's pretty good, right? That's a pretty yeah, good like. It's, it's great. That's a pretty good like uh, reject uh, Johnny Dogs impression. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy lets him know that you of all people, I know I can trust. Yeah. I wonder why that felt to me like a line, like a, yeah, you're definitely the traitor, or one of them, and uh, I'm just saying this to you so you think that I believe you. You think I don't Johnny know his dogs is a traitor. I don't know his relationship. I don't know his relationship with um with Tommy prior to the show. Yeah, you but I, he's just been. I don't want to say like a backbone in the show, but he he's been a character who's he has been because he, he's the one who there. united the the gypsy clan. Yeah, yeah, the, the uh, Lee boys, the Lee boys, like he's been um, with the. I just can't picture him being a traitor. And I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the twist, right? I don't yeah. think we're going to really find out until the next uh, next season. 
Yeah. But I I would I would be very surprised if it was um if it was Johnny Dogs. I, I feel like this is just a uh uh, a flare, like yeah, a uh, exactly, decoy. Exactly. I, I don't think it was anything more than that. Yeah, agreed. Well, um, let's wrap on this episode. Um, it's late already, but yeah. let's do the let's do a couple of the uh, questions at the end for sure. So the first one for you is best scene. Which, by the way, that's a wrap on the episode. Yeah, uh, be- we just finished. Best scene. It's got to be the scarecrow scene in the beginning. Not scarecrow, the dummy on the cross with the mines has to be. That's a phenomenal second to the one that I I chose as my first. I I do love the uh, the the scarecrow um, scene and, and the cross and the landmines and everything. My first favorite of this one is, is the one I mentioned a little earlier. It was the the dialogue between Oswald, Tommy, and Ada. Like Ooh, there's yeah, just a good one. There's just so much yeah. to unwrap in that one small conversation. Short I agree. conversation. And uh, I I mean we and on top of that, like we got a sense of the intensity of the Mosley. character of Oswald Mosley. Like we For didn't the first get it time. before. We got the awkwardness and, and, and like the handshake from, from before, but you know, this is this is like like he's he if you tick him off He's furious. This like, is the like, first episode that we get the sense that he's a dangerous man. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, just sitting there, he's he's like, oh, I'm not impatient. Uh, what, what, what did he say? He's like, <laughs> I'm impatient for my fucking whiskey. And he slams his hand on the table. Yeah, and it's just like I, I don't know. It's just like a a wild man. So I I I, I, I like that one a little bit more just because because there was dialogue there. But I, I do think yeah. uh, Scarecrow is definitely a definitely a great second. I, my second is um. The convo with Tommy and Lizzie at the end about the letter. That, that's a good one as well. That's yeah. a good. Uh, there, there, I feel like there's also a lot to to kind of unravel there. I mean, in in combination with with Linda and Arthur, because I think we needed the contrast of how how Linda and Arthur were handling this. If uh, episode one was about Lizzie. setting the stage of where each character was leaving off from mm-hmm. season four, then this episode is. What are what is all of the conflict in play for mm-hmm. this season and the following season? Mm-hmm. Because if season five, season five is season one, and season six will be season two, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I I definitely think that we're gonna see parallels like that, just in terms of quality, uh, and and storyline. We're, we're we're getting a reintroduction of the characters in their current life right now, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, additional characters, and you know this. I I really do think also, that you know seeing seeing the not the introduction of, but just kind of setting the tone for what the conflict is. We really do get a sense of that in this episode. It, it we, I, I do we, I do agree. We also understand like there is like a good pattern in the show where while Tommy has two sources of income, legitimate and illegitimate, mm-hmm. he has two. Uh, he has two enemies, mm-hmm. or three, maybe. Uh, on the legitimate side is Mosley. That's everything on the top of the, of the water. Mm-hmm. Everything underneath is going to be the Billy Boys. They're coming for his racetracks. Yeah. The first season, you got Kimber. He's going for the racetracks. You got Campbell. Who's yeah, I was, was going right? to say, like, I feel like most, most of his seasons are just always two yeah. opponents. 
two opponents, one who's for legitimate, one's for illegitimate. You got the priest, and then you yeah. got Sabini. And then you got uh, Adrian Brody, and you got um, actually on uh, season four, they're both under the law. You get uh, Tom Shingara. Hardy, and you get um, the other one. Alfie, yeah. But uh, interesting, just an interesting little thing going on mm-hmm. there. All right, uh, I want to end the note with something else on this on this thing that I noticed that I don't think anybody in the world has ever noticed. Okay. Tommy Shelby has never once taken a bite of food in this entire <laughs> series. Think about it. You don't need food when you're drinking whiskey. I mean, has come he on. has he has he ever taken a bite on camera? No, I don't. I don't, think he has. I don't think so. Um, it's kind of like the the Putin thing, right? Like you don't you don't you don't poop, you don't eat. You just what is that about? You're just you're just above everyone. I don't know. I'm just I'm just joking. Putin, Putin said that. No, but the perception <laughs> the perception is that he doesn't shit because he's he's a god, right? Is it? <laughs> I know. I just thought I could. I was trying to yeah. imagine Putin saying that. It's just, I don't think he would ever say that. But yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's it's kind of funny. I don't know. Did you know Putin is a diehard Beatles fan? <sighs> is he really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he must like John Lennon. Why is that? <laughs> oh, because we'll of Vladimir. <laughs> Yeah. Because of the uh, the communist in them. Yeah. I think Russians hate communism. Is that not true? They, they invented it, didn't they? There's Socialist something there. They, they have, like a, they have a hatred for something. I don't know. Not all Russians. I'm not saying that historically. I'm saying... The, forget it. Forget uh, it. Tangent, you, tangent. Yeah, yeah. Big, big tangent. Uh, last thing uh, I have. Most memorable character. I only put one down. It's probably Mosley in this episode. So mine was McCavern and the Billy Boys. Uh, McCavern is good in this episode for the little amount he is on screen. He is good in here. I do. I do like the lines and I, I still can't shake the whole, you know, the, we are the Billy Boys song. It's just hilarious. (laughs) You didn't hear our song. (laughs) Great it's line. incredible but all right yeah. um that caps this episode we'll move on to episode three on thursday of this week um zach close us out for sure well anyways thank you for listening to the peaky blinders podcast by story archives you can find this podcast basically anywhere that you can find podcasts apple podcast spotify podcast google podcast uh you can find us on instagram at story archives you can also find us um at a website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com which ties us into the podcast network the midnight exchange there's a podcast there that you can find in all of the same places uh, you can visit their website at uh, themidnightexchange.com. There's links out to social media there, too, if you want to check that out. Uh, and in addition to that, if you maybe want to be on the show, you have a social show, show suggestion, uh, let us know. Uh, send us an email at podcast at themidnightexchange.com, and you know maybe we can have you on here as a special guest and do a bonus episode or something like that. I think it'd be, uh, be pretty cool. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay peaky.